Well, good morning once again. I want you to uh, think about this. Uh, almost everyone has someone they know or maybe someone in their family who is, I mean, pretty much crazy or insane, right? Um, maybe it's the crazy uncle. Maybe it's the wacko mother-in-law. Um, but these are, the, these are the people that when you gather at a family gathering, you're just like, oh, no, they're here, right? And, uh, and you know, they kind of make everybody on edge, and you, you're not sure what they're going to say or do. Um, maybe you're in a situation where you hope, oh, no, I, I just, I hope they don't start drinking heavily because then it's, I mean, it's over, you know, that kind of thing. But, you know, they're the kind of people that, like, ruin your holiday family kind of gatherings, so do you have somebody in mind? I heard some laughs. I know some people have somebody in mind already. If you don't have somebody in mind, well, then think of this guy uh, from, you know, Crazy Eddie from Family Vacation. Um, but now I want you to think of uh, having that kind of person, but a thousand times worse. And because they're being influenced by thousands of demons, all right? It's scary, right? So imagine that at your next holiday gathering. It wouldn't be safe for your children. Um, you know, probably that person would destroy the Christmas tree, right? Because you're gathering to celebrate Christ. It just wouldn't work, right? So, so imagine that, but, but then imagine that, that same person, crazy, crazy, crazy. Uh, going through incredible life change, becoming a new and transformed person, and instead of being crazy and hurtful and filled with demons, instead they were filled with joy, they were calm, they were sane, you'd have great conversations, they had a whole new demeanor, they were filled with laughter. What kind of impact do you think that would have on your family? Right? I mean, it would just be undeniable, be incredible. And today we're working through a passage in Mark 5 which describes that kind of situation. It's the passage of the wild demoniac who is transformed by Jesus. So turn your Bibles to page 490 if you're using one of these, or Mark chapter 5. And we're going to uh, pray and then read this together. Page 490 or Mark chapter 5. Lord, we do come to you this morning. We pray that you'd speak to us. We pray that you'd open up the eyes of our hearts to this passage, to your word. Uh, Lord, use this to challenge us, encourage us, to give us hope. In Jesus' name, amen. So as you're turning there, we're in the middle of a series called Rooted, and there are seven rhythms to Rooted. The phrase Rooted comes from... Uh, when in, from Timothy, where Paul's talking to Timothy and to all of us that, you know, let your roots go down deep into Christ. You may grow, become full, mature, that, that thing. And there are seven things that we're kind of talking through that are very important in helping us as believers to set our roots down deep into Christ. Uh, and those are reading scripture daily. We talked through that. Talk through about the importance of prayer and communicating with God. Uh, there's uh, the very important part of repentance from sin. 
uh, sacrificial generosity, serving other people, uh, worship, and then today we're talking about sharing your story. These are all foundational and help you as a believer to put your roots down deep with Christ and to grow and to mature. And so today we're looking at this rhythm of sharing your story, and we're working through this Mark 5 passage, which is a powerful story of a man who is changed and transformed by Jesus. And as he shared his story with his friends and family and the people in the area, he had a great impact on many. Now, before we read, it's also important for us to remember the context of this passage. Uh, we're, we're always working through passages as a church, and we have to look at what is the context, what's happening before and after this, what is the author trying to convey with including these words as a part of this book, right? And so this is Mark chapter 5. Right before this, uh, Jesus had just taken his disciples across the lake, across the Sea Galilee, and the storm had risen up, and it was, it was terrifying, and they thought they were going to die. And then Jesus, with a word, spoke, and it became completely calm. And so right after that, they come across the lake. The very next morning, they come across this story. And Mark is including these, there's three stories. Right after that is the woman who touches the hem of the garment and, and Jesus heals her of her affliction that she had, had for many years. And then he heals, that's happening on the way for him healing the daughter of an official. So these three stories are included demonstrating Jesus' power and authority. The first, that Jesus has the power and authority over creation. With a word he spoke and boom, it became calm. This story, with a word, Jesus speaks and commands the demons and they leave. And he transforms and restores this man. And then later, Jesus demonstrates his power and authority over uh, ailments as the great physician. And so Jesus is more powerful. And so that's the overarching theme of these passages. And this one here... Is, is what we're going to be focusing on this, this morning. There's also, this story is included with Matthew and Luke. They focus on how there were several men that were influenced by demons. Mark focuses on the main character, the main speaker, and the main man who was transformed. And so it's a very important story, included all three of those Gospels, and so let us read it together. Mark 5. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. When Jesus stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. When Jesus saw him from afar, he ran and fell down before him and crying out with a loud voice, he said, What do you have to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirits. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? And he replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send him out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding on the hillside. 
And they begged him, saying, Send us into the pigs, let us enter them. And so he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. And the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country. And the people came to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus and they saw the demon-possessed man the one who had the legion sitting there, clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs, and they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. And he was getting into the boat. As he was getting in the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but he said to him, Go home to your friends, and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how the Lord has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. What an interesting story. Jesus and his disciples had just come across this lake. He got this, this kind of battered boat. He had been doing some teaching and some miracles. And, and then he calmed the storm. And so they're making landfall the next morning. And as they get to land, this, these crazy guys come out. This area was known as the Decapolis because there's 10 Greek cities in this area. And Gerasim, that's the closest one of those 10 cities that was to this place, to the spot where they landed. And there was tombs in the hills here and in this area. So they come across this place and this was where these men were, the crazy guys, the guys possessed by demons. And, uh, and so as we look at verse 3, he, he lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, or, and not even with the chain, for he'd often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Day and night among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out, and cutting himself with stones. So this man was given supernatural strength by these demons. He lived in the graves and the tombs. Uh, and many people in the area, they tried to control him, right? They had tried to bind him, to chain him up. They tried to grab him and throw him in jail because of his craziness. And they tried everything, and they could not control him, right? They... No one had the strength to subdue him. And so they just tried to contain him. They're like, they, they kind of had him go in this area of the tombs and, and the, the cemetery kind of areas. And they just let him roam there. You know, and everyone, everyone in the entire area knew about these guys, knew about this man and how they were crazy, demon possessed, without clothes, like, like, you know, and they just hoped that he stayed away. Don't come to the city, right? They, I'm sure that every family told their kids, you got to avoid this area. You cannot go there because it is not safe, right? Um, and no one could control him. No one could de deal with this guy and this destruction. And I know that you think you know some kind of crazy people, but this guy, crazy. 
He's being he's described as being demonized, and, and it's interesting that he would scream and cut himself at all hours of the day. He he, he couldn't even get rest, right? Uh, demons hate God, and they hate that God created mankind in his own image, imagio dei. That's, that's something we believe, right? So it's described that we're created in the image of God, and so these demons would influence this man to try to destroy and cut and scar the image of God. Satan's goal is to destroy. I think it's very likely that, that these demons are trying to influence this man to end his own life, to destroy him. And they would drive him crazy night and day. They would not allow peace or rest all different hours. And they're trying to break him down. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. Jesus was about to free this man. Jesus had different plans for this man and and to provide him abundant life. So let's move to verse 6. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he fell down before him and crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he's saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirits. And he replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send him out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, Send us into the pigs. So he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs, and the herd numbering about 2,000 immediately rushed down the steep bank and into the sea and drowned in the sea. Again, Satan's goal is to destroy. And so what happened here is that that... That, that these pigs were destroyed. It's interesting, too, that this man comes running and throws himself down at the feet of Jesus. Both he and the demons were acknowledging that Jesus had authority over all and came and he bent his knee, he bowed down before, he cast himself before Jesus. I think part of that, too, was like, I think he wanted to be free, right? He, he wanted to get away from this. He wanted Jesus' help. And even though he was being influenced by these demons, he ran and cast himself before Jesus and bends his knee to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And Jesus tells these demons to come out and sends them into a herd of pigs. And immediately they go down and they're destructive and they destroy this herd of pigs. Now, there's a lot of information here. There's a lot of interesting things that we could talk about and should talk about at a different time, in a different teaching, about you know demons and how Jesus dealt with them, all that kind of stuff. But but this morning we're talking about this story and sharing your story. And the but the main point here is that Jesus, with a word, freed this man from many demons and sent them away. The main point is that Jesus has authority and power over all. The demons were destructive. They were destroyed a large and valuable herd of pigs in the process. But Jesus, with a word, exercised his authority and calmed the storm. And with a word, he exercised his authority and cast out these demons. Verse 14. The herdsmen fled 
and told it in the city and in the country. Word spreads fast, right? And the people came to see what it was that happened, and they saw, came to Jesus, and they saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs, and they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. So notice here what happens when Jesus gets rid of the demons, gets rid of those who are oppressing this man. The man was calmly sitting there in his right mind. You know, I'm sure that he was filled with joy, smiling, laughing, talking. No longer the crazy man. He was filled with joy at being freed. No longer wailing, screaming, cutting himself, right? And terrorizing everybody. He was calmly sitting there at the feet of Jesus. Oh, what joy he must have felt. He would, his life was changed and he would never be the same. And, and he was free now. But look at the people's response. You would think they would be happy too, right? Uh, you know, they were telling their kids, avoid this area. The, the crazy demon, demoniacs, right? Instead, what they, they just, they, they were filled with fear. They didn't understand what was going on. They, they had kind of become comfortable with that guy over there, those guys over there doing that thing. They're crazy. It's, nobody can contain them, but it was known. And now here's a man who came and with a word spoke and boom, everything was different. Everything was changed. It was terrifying to them and, and the, and they'd lost the pigs. Like what? All that money. The demoniac had a strength that no one could subdue and here Jesus with a word did exactly that. Jesus was way more powerful than this legion of demons and they were afraid. And then when even more so, when everybody talked about what happened and yeah, we lost the pigs, 2,000 of them, tremendous value. They're like, leave, get out of here, go. They asked Jesus to leave. They are afraid of the change, the departure from the status quo, and they're afraid of the power of this man that they did not know. Think about that. They had a chance. They had a chance. That region, that city, the garrison, they had a chance to have the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ himself, come in and to Help them, just like he did in many places, to heal and to exercise this power for good. And, to, and they, they were terrified, so they asked him to leave. They begged him to depart. They let fear drive them more than actually stepping back and thinking about what really happened there and how good it was. There's now safety in this area, right? The tombs and seaside no longer had to be avoided. We can go to the beach, kids, right? No, they, they, they were focused on the fear. They lost this flock of pigs, and now they had someone in their midst who was more powerful than a legion of demons. So they sent Jesus away. But Jesus said, okay, and he, and he, and he was getting ready to leave. But he left a witness. Verse 18. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him 
that he might be with him. He wanted to be with Jesus. He wanted to be with this man that set him free. He wanted to learn and to grow and to, to be around his Savior, right? But Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. And so he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. What an incredible story. What a picture. This man had been transformed. He'd been saved by Jesus. He'd been set free from the chains of sin and darkness and Satan, from a life of misery and torture and self-destruction, from making a fool of himself and running around naked and screaming and terrorizing people. And he was now calm and transformed and joyful and dressed and in his right mind. And he wanted to be with the Savior. But Jesus had a better plan. Jesus was sent away by the people, but he wanted to leave them with a witness of himself. And so he said, number one, go home to your friends and your family. Go home. And then number two, tell them about what Jesus did for him. This was, this was what Jesus did. He sent the man back to his family. We don't know what going home meant, right, for this man. Uh, we don't know how old he was. We don't know whether he was married or single. Um, but I'm sure his family, his parents, if he was married, his wife and kids, were overjoyed to have him back. I'm sure they were ashamed of him, right? Like, oh, man, that's my son, the crazy guy that everybody called, talks about, right? They got him back. Jesus sent him home. They had missed him, and, and now they had their son back, or their husband, or their friends. He was returned back, and he was changed and transformed. And, uh, and, and so they got him back. But this guy, not only did he go back to his friends and to his home, uh, but he did what Jesus told him to do. He just simply shared his story. He simply shared Here's what Jesus did for me. And he went around to the Decapolis, which is the 10 cities around their area, and the entire region. They all knew him. They all knew who he was. And they could see the scars all over his body. And as he shared the story, uh, this is what I was like. And, and then Jesus freed me, saved me. What happens? The entire area was amazed. It was much better for this man to go to this area where everybody knew him and just simply share his story than it would have been for him to go with Jesus and to leave, for them to never see him again. He was a visible witness to the power and saving grace of the Messiah, the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. Jesus left him. He cared enough about this area, about those people, to leave a witness of himself, even though they asked him to leave. And so the entire region heard about Jesus and was wonderful things that he did. Sharing, simply sharing the story, his story influenced the entire region. They saw it with their own eyes. So sharing your story is incredibly powerful. It really is. This man's story of how Jesus changed him was impactful for this entire region. But we too have 
powerful stories. We too, each and every one of us who are really following Jesus Christ, who have been saved and are being transformed by him, we have many stories to share of how Jesus changed us, how he saved us, the way that he's transformed us. We can share those and have a powerful impact. I've been involved with uh, the gospel for many years. And uh, I was down in the Dominican Republic helping a church plant there. And in the Dominican, a lot of these neighborhoods are pretty tight. You know, the, the people know each other. And there's this man who was like the life of the party. He was like the party, right? You know, for the entire neighborhood. And he would just, all the time, he'd be rallying people to party, to get drunk, to do all kinds of crazy stuff. And like the things that he did, the crazy things he did while he was under the influence, like everybody knew Everybody had seen it. Oh, let me tell you about the stories of this guy, right? Like, and then he gave his life to Jesus. And Jesus changed him. And I was able to go around and to talk to neighbors uh, about Jesus. And all of those people were like, oh, yeah, that guy. You know, like, wow, he's really changed. Like, it's kind of scary. It's kind of weird. But this guy has changed so much. He, he was transformed by Jesus and he just simply started sharing with the same people he used to party with. Here's what Jesus did for me. And it had a great impact in the entire neighborhood there. And I saw it with my eyes. Talk to the neighbors. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, When we become a Christian, when we come to Christ, he changes us and makes us into a new creation, a new person. He transforms us. And Philippians 1.6 says, at that moment, he begins, he begins a good work in us. And he will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. That means that moment of salvation is the starting point of the transformation, right? And so, not only did he save you, but he continues to transform you throughout the rest of your life until one day you stand before him or he comes back. And so all of us have story after story of the areas of our life that God is changing and has changed. We have stories that are powerful. Now, were you like this guy? Were you influenced by a thousand demons? I doubt it. I certainly wasn't. But we all have so many stories to tell. It's not just your salvation stories, but about the ways that Jesus has changed you as you've grown, as you've matured. Um, I... I gave my life to the Lord at a young age, about eight years old, but I have so many stories to tell about Jesus has changed me. It's really as simple as this, sharing your story. I was, Jesus has changed me, and now you just fill in the blanks. So many different areas. Just simply share what you're like and how Jesus has changed you. For example, in my life, I was filled and controlled by fear for many years. As a young person, I was filled with anxiety, filled with fear, and it would control me. I would be controlled by my fear. I would get so scared about the unknown, about situations, about conflict with people. I would make myself sick to my stomach. You know, a school field trip, uh, scary. Make myself sick and I wouldn't have to go, right? I was so filled with fear. I was afraid of um, talking to girls. I, was, I didn't want to get yelled at. I was really afraid of that. I was really terrified of public speaking. 
And I would act out in harmful and destructive ways just to avoid those situations that I was afraid of. And Jesus has changed me, right? And, and, and here I am in a room full of people doing public speaking, right? And the only reason is because Jesus has changed my life. I'd be terrified. I wouldn't yeah. I'd be running away. There's power in that personal story. Don't discount the ways that Jesus Christ has changed you. Don't minimize that, oh, that's not a big deal. It is a big deal. And he gets the glory because he's the one who's done the changing, the transformation. Any area of your life Christ has changed is a powerful story to tell. Any area. Think about anxiety, fear, substance abuse, anger, gossip, slander, pornography, love, acceptance, purpose, mission, partying, drugs, gambling, being mean and nasty, having bad relationships, communication, gossip, emotions, dysfunction, father wounds, coping mechanisms, desires, greed, identity, marriage, speech. I mean, you can go on and on and on, right? All of us have been transformed by Jesus. Paul in 1 Corinthians 6 talks to this church and they're a dysfunctional church and they had crazy stuff going on. A guy sleeping with his mother-in-law, people getting drunk at the church potlucks, you know, like terrible stuff. All kinds of sin and destructive behaviors and Paul addresses them but, and he gives this whole list of, of, of sin and destructive behavior. But then he says in verse 11 of chapter 6, and such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. I love that phrase, and such were some of you. That's true for us. That's true for me. And such were some of us. But we have been transformed and changed and cleansed by Christ in many ways. So the application... This morning, just share what Christ has done for you. This week, as you're in conversations with friends, family members, neighbors, coworkers, classmates, whoever, just seek to share the stories of how Jesus has changed your life. It's powerful. It's effective. I want you to think of the ways right now. Just fill in the blank. I was. There's many, many words you can put in here. And each one of those words has a story. Think about how Christ has changed you and changed your life in those ways. And as you're in conversation, it's so easy to mention that. It's so easy to say, oh, let me tell you a story. I used to be like... And then, you, then you're off and running. Let me just give you an example. Recently... I had uh, somebody ask me uh, about work and about how I was able to, to care for people that worked for me as a, as a supervisor. They're like, you, you really care for the people. Like, they said, I'm so selfish. I just have a hard time like, even caring. Like, how do you do that? And I told them, I said, I, I can't. I am so selfish in and of myself. But I've been changed by Jesus. 
He's the only one to help me get outside of myself and to look at others and to truly care about them. He's changed me so I actually care about people. That's the only way. And it was just as simple as that. And God gets the glory because God's the one doing the transforming. We just share our stories. People can deny that they believe in God. They can deny that they think the Bible is true. They can deny all kinds of things, but can they deny your experience? Right? This is what's happened to you. I was, but Jesus has changed me. So this week, we've got these cards, right? The people you're praying for. Just look for a way to share a story with them. What's a story you can share with them about how Jesus changed you? Sharing your story communicates the gospel, it communicates the power of God, and it also reminds you of the good things that Jesus has done for you. It reminds you in your full joy, yes, Lord, you have changed me. Praise God. It reminds you of the gospel. It's healthy and good to have a rhythm of sharing the stories of Christ changing you with all kinds of people on a regular basis. So look for those opportunities this week. You'll have them. Be, be talking and reaching out to the people here on your list and just have, as you're having conversations, look for ways to share. Here's how Jesus has changed me. Simply testify about how Jesus has changed your life. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the story of the demoniac who was transformed by you and how you left them as a witness to just share their story and to proclaim and give testimony of who and who you are and how you changed them. Lord, we just pray that this week we too would be seeing and finding those opportunities that you have for us to share stories of how you've changed and transformed our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.